Warning, the following broadcast is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice or firearm safety, competence, or proficiency training. This broadcast is solely for entertainment, discussion, and informational purposes. Side effects may include a sudden undeniable urge to exercise your Second Amendment rights, and you may in fact turn into a gun nut. You've been warned. Welcome back to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I'm your host, Jose Morales, with our host, Mike Jeremita. Welcome, everybody. It's great to have you listening to the show. Mike, I've been uh, noticing a trend recently, and that trend is I've noticed that more and more people that are either on the fence or leaning more towards one side of the political spectrum, which will remain nameless, anti-gun, they're more and more interested nowadays to actually have an option to kind of protect themselves. Mm. And one recurring theme I've seen over and over again with students, because we do an assessment prior to them uh, training with us to get a general idea of, you know, where they stand mentally and, and, uh, and educationally, is, uh, is what I label gun owner guilt. Have you ever run across anything like that? Absolutely. I think that there are all kinds of pejorative labels pinned on people who are even exploring the option of owning firearms and having an option to protect themselves. And it's unfortunate because you and I know from our uh, respective fields that we deal with people who are regular folks, hardworking people. They want to protect themselves. They want to protect their loved ones. But that can certainly be an obstacle if you're looking towards becoming a gun owner. And not only an obstacle, but I think it can really shed some doubt, some self-doubt in people people that either are on the fence about purchasing a firearm for whatever reason, or maybe they see the um, political climate or the social climate being such that they may want an option to protect themselves other than harsh language. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And the problem is that these people who are swaying the folks who are looking into these options, uh, they're not people who are well-educated and people who have hands-on experience. And a lot of times that the, these labels that they come up with are based on ignorance or, or inexperience, unfortunately. So one of the things I've found be incredibly helpful is to take people to the range for the first time. And we've spoken about this before, um, but get people to go out there and try these sorts of things and, and understand that it's a hobby that not only is a whole lot of fun, but it's something that could end up saving your life someday. Absolutely. And not only that, and those are really good points, but, you know, we are, as gun owners, are not caricatures, mm-hmm. right? The media, um, the people's ignorant perceptions are such sometimes that they, they label us as kind of caricatures. If you own a gun, well, you look or you act or you think or you believe a certain way. And that's, that's not the, the case at all, either, you know, in, in any way, shape or form. But, you know, I, again, it's, re- it's a really interesting dynamic because I've seen it happen over and over again with people that come on in. And these are people that, you know, usually kind of like 25 to 35, they've said, you know, I really kind of want an option to protect myself. Stuff's getting crazy. Uh, everything from, you know, I'm looking at CNN and the, uh, the apocalypse is here to, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy a gun anytime soon. So maybe I, I should go out there and have something to be able to protect myself while I can. And I kind of labeled it gun owner guilt, which is, you know, which is really, really prevalent. And we want to let our listeners know, Uh, because our listeners are incredibly smart is you know 
we need to educate those people that are on the fence and tell them, you know what, it's okay. You're not a bad person. You um, don't fit into a certain box or stereotype because you want the option to protect yourself. As a matter of fact, you know, all those people that criticize you probably don't have an option to protect themselves. And now you do. And so that's kind of like the, the mentality that we as responsible gun owners need to have so that we can welcome them into the fold. Because, again, those are, those people are generally marginalized, I've seen. Certainly. And I think it's an excellent point you brought up that gun owners are often depicted as caricatures because the problem is they're sort of taking out the human element of gun owners. They're almost acting as if we're not people. Gun owners don't have human emotions. I remember a conversation I had with a wife, with my, one of my wife's friends. And she was from New Jersey and staunchly anti-gun. And we were having a sort of a normal discussion about different gun issues regarding gun control, uh, mass shootings, things of that nature. And when it all came down to it, her argument became, well, I just have a heart. I just have a heart, and that's why I feel the way I do. And unfortunately, taking that position, you're saying that all gun owners do not have a heart. And that seems to be the label that's put on us and it's simply not the case well you're you're a better and more patient man than me i would have said you know <laughs> I, I have a heart too and i wanted to continue beating which is why <laughs> I, I you know empower myself with the option to protect myself you know and that's one of the things that that again you know those labels really kind of frustrate me and you know when you said they you know well who are they you know it's obviously not gun owners because if anyone walks into you know an ffl or a legally licensed gun store you know um and Granted, it could be a very intimidating thing. I always compare uh, a person, uh, a woman, uh, or a a neophyte, someone that's really anti-gun, going into a gun store, kind of like a woman going into a biker bar, maybe just like a regular guy going into a biker bar. You don't know what to expect, but, Mm. you know, um, bikers are great people. You know, I know lots of them. As long as they realize, hey, you're one of us, you know, you're cool, they're cool too. And it's the same thing with gun store owners, you know, and with gun owners, rather, you know, they... Um, are, you know, the media, are, you know, what the images that we're inundated all the time through these sources. And so I urge everybody, you know, regardless of your political leanings, you know, because here at Lock, Load, and Legal, we don't judge. We will protect and we will teach and we will train anyone and everyone. But I urge you to actually, you know, talk to a gun owner, you know, maybe adopt a gun owner, and mm-hmm. you'll find out that we're not all kind of like, uh, you know, these caricatures that you know, they are portrayed in the media because we're not. Sure. And one experience that shed some light on that for me, I took a friend of mine who had never been shooting before to my, my range where I belong. And we had a great time. We ended up there for about three hours and uh, he learned a whole lot about firearms, got to have a lot of fun. And then he went back to his family that weekend and they were not folks who were into firearms and he hadn't been raised around firearms. And when he told them what he had done, he said he was very surprised with the reactions he got from his family members. Well, what kind of reactions were they? Well, they were, they were very negative reactions, to be honest with you. Uh, they were very surprised that he would have done such a thing. And How dare you? And making all kinds of assumptions about him because he had gone shooting and enjoyed it. So that kind of gave him a much different perspective of how perhaps he was treating gun owners previously. So I think that was an excellent experience and a good example of of how sometimes having more information and ha- and going through these experiences could shed some light on this. Well, I mean, again, it's 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 an, an an inanimate object. It's a tool. You know, you don't ascribe, you know, characteristics or you know to a tool. You know, it's it. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's actually kind of kind of 
you know, prejudging an individual based on kind of what they're, you know, what uh, they decide to do uh, on the, with their own personal time and what kind of views they have and such. You know, I just don't think that's fair. No, it's not fair because the, the judgments that are being made should really be made towards an individual based upon their actions, not based upon uh, what their likes are, their dislikes, and, and what they enjoy, things of that nature. And again, again, I see this more and more in terms of, uh, of the, the guilt and the shame that people feel, and it's really kind of interesting. I, I look at it, you know, in, in our society today, you know, it tantamount, it's, it's tantamount to kind of like the most horrible thing or most horrible aspect of, uh, um, of your personality being if you're a smoker. Like, if you are a smoker, right, literally you are shamed um, by everyone else. You know, like, shame on you, you know? And so I honestly believe there are tons of closet smokers out there, you know? Um, and they wouldn't even share this really with their families because they don't want to be judged, you know? There are lots of closet gun owners. There are lots of closet um, perspective gun owners out there. And what we want to say to you from Lock, Load, and Legal is it's okay to kind of want to have and explore um, that side of uh, of, uh, of empowerment, and it's okay to talk to gun owners and get their perspectives. You're going to be accepted without any prejudgment put uh, into the fold. I, I would, anyway. What about you, Mike? Sure. I think that's important because sometimes these sorts of things will uh, cause people not to take that extra step. They'll hinder, exactly. Yep, absolutely. It'll hinder their gun ownership and their walk as a law-abiding gun owner, so to speak, and it's, it's unfortunate. So uh, really try to encourage people who are new gun owners and have conversations with people who maybe aren't sure. And maybe you can sort of ease some of their concerns. And don't prejudge those that are gun owners. And, you know, because nine times out of ten, the gun owners will not prejudge you for wanting to get a gun. It's an incredibly welcoming um, environment. It's an inc- incredibly welcoming community of gun owners. We really, you know, we really are. So again, the last thing I want to do as a firearms instructor and as you as, a, as, a, as an attorney is you don't want to see a tragedy happen and someone come in and have to see you now because they fail to be able to protect themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that's just comes from misconceptions. Unfortunately, I had a doctor once ask me, what do you think of gun violence? He had looked me up on the internet, gun found violence, out huh? what I do, and it, it was almost as if he expected me to say, oh, I love gun violence because <laughs> I protect law-abiding gun owners. And my answer was, I think all violence is terrible, uh, whether it's with a firearm or a bomb or whatever it is. And it's really incredible to to realize that some people think because we're gun owners, we are pro-gun violence for some reason. <laughs> right. They make all these attributions. It's really funny because they'll say, when they find out, you know, if you have a license to carry or if they'll say, well, who are you planning on shooting? Well, why do you want to, who are you planning on Well, nobody. That's why I want to get, you know, get a license to carry so I can be a law-abiding citizen and, and have the option to protect myself. It's, it's just insane. There's nothing wrong with that. One thing we could look at, though, is also making an effort not to prejudge people who have views against firearms because this most of the time like i said is coming out of a place of ignorance and sometimes instead of writing them off as an idiot or or prejudging them and calling them names if we have a a simple discussion with them and we provide a little bit more information that might be the first step towards them becoming a gun owner absolutely i call them teachable moments you know it's it because you know i both gun owners and and individuals that are maybe anti-gun we all 
pretty much want the same thing. I think we don't, we, you know, we all cry when the innocents are killed and we all, you know, we all, um, we all hurt and feel when, when, you know, we see victims of violence or even, you know, or gun violence, you know, for whatever that means, I think it's kind of a bit of a made up term, but you know, it's a, I call them teachable moments and you know, we, it's time to come together and educate each other really and, and accept each other. There was really good, that's a really good point about acceptance. You know, I had somebody tell me something along these lines recently. I want to talk a little bit about it, but we will get to that when we get back from our break. Hi, Jose Morales here. Mike and I want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us. If you find the broadcast interesting or informative, please tell others about us and consider showing your support either by becoming a patron on Patreon or through a donation on PayPal via the links at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. Thanks again, and stay safe. And welcome back to Locked, Loaded, and Legal. We were just discussing a little bit about gun owner guilt and that uh, that phenomenon that we see happen so often here at Philly Firearms Academy. And uh, you want to bring up a point, Mike? Yeah, so I had somebody I was having a discussion with the other day who really it came down to they said, well, if it saves just one life, why wouldn't you give up your gun? That talking point, That's yeah. That's the one that we hear over and over again. Well, if it saves just one life, it's worth it. Everybody's got to give up their guns uh, if it saves just one life. Well, first of all, I find some kind of fault with that premise based upon the defensive gun uses. Uh-oh, here, the lawyer's coming out. He's speaking <laughs> through. There we go. Well, the defensive the gun uses that we see in this country every year far outweigh uh, the unlawful homicides we see with firearms. So that's just number one. Not to seem heartless, but the fact is the statistics don't show that it would uh, have a net impact of saving just one life. So that's, that's first of all, constitution uh, and the law aside. That's something you've got to take into account. But another thing is there are a lot of things, a lot of measures out there that could save just one life, aren't there? There are a whole lot of things that cause death in one form or another, and if we get rid of these things altogether, you could argue that doing so would save just one life. So, like, for example, like driving, or? like driving, right? Let's let's take it. Let's take the driving example. So, when it comes to vehicles on the road, cause a number of deaths every year, right? A tremendous amount of deaths come through car accidents. Even if you narrow it down to drunk driving, something of that nature. They cause a tremendous amount of deaths. And if you go by the if it saves just one life narrative, then ultimately, if you don't hand over your keys, then you are not willing to save that one life, right? If everybody handed over their keys and there were zero cars on the road, it would save at least one life. That's at least true. one at person least one, yeah. would not die from the car accidents they'd ultimately be involved in. Uh, but people are far less willing to hand over their keys. And the reason that they're willing to say these kinds of things about gun ownership is simply because it doesn't impact them directly. They are not gun owners. So it's easier for them to give up something that they didn't have in the first place. The same could be said about drunk driving, right? Uh, somebody was talking to me about this recently. You talk to somebody about drinking and driving. If you were to impose a law, suppose, that says you can either drink or you can drive. You cannot do both. Mm. The response from people will generally be, well, 
hold on, I drink responsibly. <laughs> I don't I don't drive drunk. I want to get my drink on. I don't I don't drive drunk, so why are you punishing me for mm. something that I didn't do? Why are you punishing me for these irresponsible people who are hurting other people? And and that pretty much sums up the way a lot of gun owners feel about this topic. Well, absolutely. No, that's that's a really great point. You know, and and they you know they take it even further and say, you know what? Why do you need thirty rounds of ammunition? Won't ten do? Or you know, why do you need this kind of firearm instead of that kind of firearm? You don't see people saying, well, you know what? You need this kind of car instead of that kind of mm. car. You know, it it you know it hit the the playing field needs to be um, um, equitable and level, right? I would just say, you know, <laughs> for both sides. Sure, and that's something that uh, if we get it out there. And more often and, and sort of explain this to these people, then we might have a better discussion. Because I think that the whole it just saves one life thing, if you're not willing to hand over your keys, then your argument is pretty disingenuous. And, you know, and that's a really good point. You know, it's one of the things is, is the more you get, um, you know, you're familiar with gun culture and, and you do your research and such, you know, you're going to hear... Um, you're going to hear kind of um, talking points and these talking points they you know they just they stand out like a, like a, like a klaxon you know whenever i hear them you know hear the sensible gun laws as being one of common sense gun laws being another one and i think a lot of times we as a, as firearms owners and as second amendment advocates we sometimes fail to convince because we do what the other side does is hmm. and we react and we start arguing from a from emotion and sure. not from logic and statistics and uh, and just question you know just question the other person i hear this happening all the time you know they'll say to you we don't need assault rifles right and i'll go well what's an assault rifle and they'll be crickets because they have no idea of mm. what an assault rifle is. We don't need assault weapons either. We don't need guns that fire more than one round a second. So that's pretty much kind of every firearm, mm. including revolvers. Right? You see, you know, these talking points can't be argued. We can't convince people that um, common sense is on our side if we can't detach ourselves and just have a civil conversation and not get emotionally attached. Asking questions is a great way to do that. And I think we spoke about that with Maz, about if somebody mm. uh, makes a statement based upon some kind of faulty premise, simply asking a question and getting them to make some kind of effort to articulate where they're coming from sometimes re resolves the situation in and of itself. Absolutely, absolutely, because they, you know, they generally don't have any kind of logical argument or any kind of fact-based argument, and they'll always defer defer back to kind of emotion. But if it saves one more life, you know, aren't don't you have a heart? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, of course I have a heart. You have a heart. We, you know, we we I bleed internally when I hear these 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 atrocities take place, and you know, most responsible gun owners and most NRA members feel the same way. Yeah, I think there's uh, a fundamental disagreement as to what it would take to stop these atrocities from happening, or if it's possible to eliminate these atrocities. I think everybody's on the same page as far as the way we want the world to be. Um, it just, uh, there's a, like I said, a fundamental disagreement as to how to get there. And I think John Lott's statistics uh, come into play with, with these discussions because through his research, he's done studies as to whether these gun control measures even work if they even do have a positive impact on society. So beyond the, the whole emotional, you don't have a heart if you're not willing to do something uh, kind of play, you've got to even consider whether or not 
you're harming society by taking these measures. Hmm, but see, claiming someone doesn't have a heart is actually attributing a label to them and prejudging them before you kind of know them, right? Yeah, well, we, we see that on a regular basis. <laughs> I get that on a regular know, basis for that all the you time. Know, being an NRA certified instructor, right? Just because they see NRA as my credentials, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. I've had more prejudice um, in the last... Uh, 10 years because I'm an NRA member and proud to be an NRA member um, than being a Hispanic male. It's mm. unbelievable. Yeah, and that, that's it's a shame. Overt. Yeah. That's a shame. That's a shame. And I think that uh, if we do take the time and try to have these appropriate discussions that maybe we can help it out just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I'm not living in any kind of fantasy land where I think it's going to change completely. But <laughs> Well, you know what? I mean, look, listen, we're not sponsored by anybody. We're not sponsored or beholden to the National Rifle Association, although we, I do admit that they are the 800-pound gorilla in the, in the room, and they fight for everybody's gun rights, regardless of whether or not you're a member, you know? But again, I, I see, you know, the, uh, the hate um, and the tweets that come out of people, you know, on social media. Uh, blaming, you know, a group for the actions of maybe one or two deranged individuals, and it really is pathetic, I think. Yeah, it's a shame. So another thing I want to talk about is some of the, the legal obstacles we see when it comes to firearm ownership, and I'm sure this will tie right in with uh, the practical and, and training obstacles that you see in this field. For me, I think one of the most important things to do, if you're going to take that next step if you're going to become a gun owner or even explore the option of doing so is you need to understand the legal ramifications of owning a firearm the legal implications of using a firearm to protect yourself and after all that's the main reason why most people own guns in the united states and you need to also understand eligibility requirements you need to understand um, carry laws that come into play and sometimes i think people certainly put the cart before the horse. And what they do is they purchase that firearm, and after they purchase the firearm, they think that they've got some kind of magic wand where that will be the cure-all for any situation where they need to protect themselves. But there's a lot more that goes into it than that. You need to understand when you can lawfully use that firearm how you can lawfully use that firearm, and understand some of the, the real sort of situations that are going to unfold after that happens which we will pick up after this short break i love this music i want to dance now <laughs> go 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 mike go mike And we're back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal. When we left, we were discussing uh, some of the legal hurdles that you'll deal with as a gun owner. And I want to talk uh, mostly about what happens after you have to use that firearm. You know, after you use your firearm, many people have some kind of misconception that they're going to be cool, calm, and collected like Dirty Harry or some kind of fictional movie character. But that's simply not the case. Um, aside from 
all of the legal implications going through the legal system and the mechanics of the way that goes that we've discussed on other episodes. I want people to understand that the people who I encounter, my clients who have been involved in some kind of defensive gun use, are usually an emotional wreck for a very long time thereafter. It's simply not the case that you're some kind of cold-blooded killer that if you have to protect yourself, life will go on as usual. And uh, that, that's, that's a fantasy, and that's not going to be the case. Uh, you're going to be a wreck, and unfortunately, we actually see a very high rate of divorce after a defensive gun use because of the turmoil that people go through. That, I can't even imagine the amount of guilt that I would feel, God forbid, if I had to use my firearm. And I've been doing this and carrying for a long, long time. Imagine someone that hasn't been properly trained or maybe even hasn't um, thought about the, the ramifications of having to use that gun. Right. And I think that sometimes uh, people who portray this attitude that they're going to be stone cold if they have to protect themselves. You know, they sort of say, well, if it comes down to them or my family, I will do what I have to do and I won't feel sorry about it. Uh, a lot of times that comes from fear, I think. I think these are folks who either uh, really, really don't want that situation to come into play, and rightfully so, you shouldn't want to have to do that. Uh, so they're putting on some kind of a front. Or on the other end, uh, they're simply not thinking the situation through. They're not really think. They're not taking the time to really think about the position they would be in should they have to, God forbid, use their firearm. God forbid. That's exactly the phrase that I was thinking about. And it's interesting when I see new gun owners, people that you know just realize, hey, I want to buy a gun. Or I'm thinking about buying a gun. They come for training. You know, it's just really interesting. You know, um, to see them say, you know, and God forbid, I have to use a gun. God forbid, and which is great. We all think, God forbid, we have to use that gun. The difference between those of us who have been doing this a while and have given it some thought is the God forbid is understood. Mm -hmm. We know that at the back of our minds, the last thing we ever want to do is even show that gun because my life is going to absolutely change, not for the better, and even if I have to pull my gun out and not even fire one round, you know? Sure, sure. And we see cases like that all the time. Uh, like I said, it destroys marriages. I've had uh, clients who fight with their spouse about, oh, I told you not to get a gun in the first place. This would have never happened if you didn't have that firearm in the first place. Not thinking about the fact that if you didn't have the firearm in the first place, you might be severely injured or, or possibly dead as a result of the situation you were in. Absolutely. You know, and if you think that people um, will prejudge you before even purchasing a firearm, imagine what's going to happen after you've taken, oh. uh, you know, a, 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 a human life which oh. is you know the most abhorrent thing we can do in our culture um, and you know we're gonna be judged you know people are ostracized by their friends by their family members by their co-workers by their employers it's really a tremendously life-changing experience that is not to be taken lightly and like you said yeah for for those of us who have been gun owners for quite some time and immersed in this community, the God forbid is an understood. I think everybody who I've met, at least, is on the same page when it comes to that. I've yet to meet somebody who cannot wait to kill somebody. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, those are called sociopaths. Uh, that, you know? That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I don't want to meet those kinds of people. Um, but, but I want to be able to protect myself from them. But you want to be able to protect yourself from those kinds of folks. And although the God forbid is understood, I think that it's important for us to continue using that for those who maybe 
aren't as immersed in the lifestyle as we are. So they understand that we're not all out here walking around looking for somebody to kill because unfortunately that is the stereotype that's been attached to us. Again, it's it's asked, you know, I see, I hear this happen all the time or I've been, you know, it's been mentioned all the time when they find out again that, that I have a license to carry and they don't know me or, well, who do you want to shoot? Or even my family members have asked that years ago when I first decided to. And my, even my wife looked at me a little crazy like, well, why do you really want a gun? I, you know, I don't really understand. That was, you know, 15 years ago. And now she kind of gets it. And now she carries and, you know, she's a responsible gun owner. But it's natural to have that reaction if you don't understand the mindset of the legally licensed and responsible gun owner. And that's a problem, a hurdle that we face over and over again. I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, unfortunately, that's really the nature of self-defense is that at some point in time, if you do have to protect yourself, the fact is you are hurting or potentially killing another human being. And if you are a person with a heart, like we said, uh, then that's never going to be an easy thing. You know, Corporal Todd Hoover, who we talk about. Corporal so, Todd. I love uh, Corporal Todd. We reference him quite a bit on this show. Uh, he was telling me about when he first took his son hunting, and he said, you know, when when you're finished, when you take that deer, you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel bad. You're going to experience emotions. And if you don't, then you're an absolute psychopath. <laughs> so, <laughs> did, his son, did his son pass the test? <laughs> his son passed the test, thankfully. Awesome. Very, very good yeah. kid. Both of his kids are great kids. I'm but, sure he's not. Uh, Purple Todd is great. But, you know, that's, that's something that we understand. We can have conversations about this, the emotions that you experience and being involved in self-defense incidents. But, again, that's something that's lost on people who are unfamiliar and people looking from the outside in. And you're going to feel emotions, again, it's, and, it, and that's okay. What we challenge everybody to do, especially those who are on the fence about firearms ownership, is to think about that. Think about those emotions that you might, uh, that you will be feeling, and take that into account with your own morals, your own values, your own religious belief system, even before you decide to purchase a gun. Because, again, we're not going to be, uh, you know, a superman and women with capes and such and, and be, uh, be uh, emotion-proof. Sure. And that's just, uh, you know, wishful thinking. Because, of course, we'd love to be sort of mechanical in the way that we protect our families, right? We want to be as efficient as possible in protecting our families. And sometimes people look at these emotions that you experience as a weakness, as some kind of deficiency when it comes to protecting your loved ones. Um, but unfortunately, that's just a part of it. And we've got to be real with ourselves as to what that entails rather than putting on some kind of a, a front because you're really not doing yourself any favors by doing so. Yourself or your family. So, you know, we know we sincerely hope that we've given um, you guys, our listeners, some, some food for thought and kind of demystified some stereotypes. And again, you know, it's really all about having those conversations, educating people and, uh, and you know, not, um, and not uh, you know, displaying those kind of uh, those attributes of being a caricature, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the best way to do that, like I said, is, is real human interaction. Uh, having discussions with people, going through these experiences with people, bringing them out there. So go ahead and make a point to do that. All right, Mike. Well, listen, I loved interacting with you this episode, as always. And I want to thank all of our audience for listening to us and uh, spending some time with us today. Thank you so much from Jose Morales and Mike Jeremita. Thank you, folks. Be safe, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal, brought to you by Philly Firearms Radio. 
For more information and to show your support, visit LockLoadedAndLegal.com.